selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. You know, <laughs> okay, it's actually just so funny because what I love about Shopify is no matter how huge and massive you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control, yes, daddy, and take your business to the next level because we're business women. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash book club. That's shopify.com slash book club, all lowercase. Shopify.com slash book club. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Celebrity Book Club. Hey, man. Can I get one donut for me and my really thin gay friend? Sure, little lady. That'll be... Three cents. Fuck, I only have two cents. Guess I can't get my coffee today. Listen, I'll give you the coffee. Black, like you like it. But I can't give you the donut. What I can do is this other, older donut that's a little stale. It's from the floor. Perfect. Let me get my sketch pad. I love sketching old, stale food while drinking black coffee and smoking cigarettes. Listen, you know I support you and your kind, but you can't sleep here on the counter like you did last night. Fine, man. I'm going to go to Coney Island, where they accept freaks like me. Okay. <laughs> Good riddance. <laughs> All right. Who's that knocking at the door? It's all your friends, you filthy whore. Your husband's gone, and we've got books and a bottle of wine to kill. It's Hollywood. It's books. It's gossip. I'm shook. It's memoirs. It's martinis. It's Studio 54. It's Celebrity Book Club. Come read it while it's hot. Celebrity Book Club. Tell your secrets, we won't talk. Celebrity Book Club. No boys are allowed. Celebrity Book Club. Say it loud and proud. Celebrity Book Club. Buzz me in, I brought the Cuervo. Hey, best friend! What's up, you punk rocker? <laughs> um, hello, you really artsy, bleach, blonde, <laughs> downtown adjacent, thin. hanging out, thin. thin. You forgot thin. Thin. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. My super thin friend <laughs> who is a 
out and proud homosexual. Well, I'm sort of exploring my sexuality. Thank you for acknowledging that and surfacing all of those ideas. Um, I'm so excited to be with you here today in the studio in New York City. Um, hub of art, music, culture, photography, painting, writing, poetry, drug use. Coffee. Yeah. It's a big coffee center. The um, first coffee. Was, was ever drank here. Was in, yeah, back in New Amsterdam. <laughs> yeah. The Dutch, they brought right. it over. Today's a big deal. Today's huge. I don't even know if I, our listeners deserve this. No, they no, really it's, don't. You guys do deserve it. Today <laughs> okay. is an insane day. We have the most famous guest. We've ever had. We've ever had. We have the ultimate. Cele- like, I think we said, when we did the Bible, Yeah. you said, God's the ultimate celebrity. <laughs> And I was like, okay, that's basically yes. true. But then I was like, but wait a minute. There's one, there's like, there's maybe, you know, there's a handful of people that are bigger celebrities. Yes. Because God, you know, God was well, the Well, he first. was the original celebrity. He was the original celebrity, yeah. but like, there are bigger celebrities, huge right? Huge celebrities, There are right. huge celebrities. You might even say, who is our God, right? Right. And who they- is the creator that endowed us? To speak like this. Right. And some know her just by that first name. I'll say it. Roz. I mean, the original <laughs> producer, the original, right, the, the original, original booth babe, yeah. <laughs> the producer of, 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 of Frasier. Yeah. Um, but no, we are not talking about the booth babe, Roz or Frasier. We are talking about Dr. Rosalind Kearney. My mother is here in the studio with us today. Welcome, Welcome Roz. Roz. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> and I would like to add to the God conversation that I am a goddess. Yes, yes sorry. Uh, goddess. Right. God original God is a woman, and yes. she is an analyst. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> a licensed clinical social worker. Right. No, a licensed psychologist. Okay. Please. Wait, and that's better or not? Well, it, it not- is better. Okay. <laughs> you think it's better. I have yeah. both. Ooh. You're a licensed social worker and a licensed psychologist. Psychologist. But you're not an are you an I always forget. Are you an analyst? No, I'm not an analyst. And not an analyst. Okay, is that okay. the thing in this, you know, not to uh whatever degree shame, but it's like is it the thing where it's like the more letters there are in the degree, the kind of less valuable it is? It's like Well no, that's when you have too many pens in your pocket. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> Everybody's always always like M M D A P H D L C S W, and you're right. kind of like, what are you trying to prove here? Right, right. You've got the whole alphabet yeah. at the end of your name. <laughs> time, time to graduate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At some point, you you have to leave school, and uh, you know, as we you know, lived in Boston, I think a, a lot of people. You probably had a lot of patients. A city of schools. City of schools. schools. You could even be a dissertation therapist because people could not stop researching. <laughs> I know a few people who might need that, who are like, they're addicted to doing dissertations. Yes, or or the research for it. it mm. Right, you're never done. You you're never, never get, done. You never you get just, to the conclusion. Or you never start writing. You're so busy researching. <laughs> right, because then what do you do if you can't research? <laughs> now, Roz, you come to us today as a therapist, as a mother, as a resident of Cambridge, Utica, and New York. Originally Brooklyn, New York. Yeah, originally hailing from Brooklyn, New York, right by the, you know, the Prospect Park. But then and then but then you fled upstate when you were about five? Six. Six. 
This was during the war? No. <laughs> it was the reason that Brooklyn went downhill. People really <laughs> try to talk about how the Dodgers left, but they, they forget to mention that really what happened was that I left. <laughs> they said New York is over, you know. It's not what it used to be. But now we should announce the the book that we're doing today is one of your favorites, and you're wearing the T-shirt of the author. Describe what you're wearing. I am wearing the T-shirt of the iconic Patty Smith, <laughs> whom I have admired since birth. <laughs> At the bottom of my T-shirt, she says, I think choosing any gender is a drag. Oh. <laughs> now, when did she say that? I don't know. She just said it on my T-shirt. <laughs> on the T. So, of course, we read Patty Smith's book, Just, just Kids. Kids. The famous, you know. And by the way, I think yeah. we should mention how the title came about. Is that she and Maplethorpe were walking through Washington, Washington Square, Square Park. Park. And this older couple were staring at them. And the woman said to her husband, take a photo. I think that they're artists. And the husband said, oh, well, not really. He said, they're just kids. Mm. Mm. She does struggle at first a little bit when, you know, when her very good friend Maplethorpe uh, starts to explore his sexuality. She's a little uncomfortable. I was surprised by that. I guess I truly thought this whole book was about just them being best friends. I didn't realize that they were lovers. I don't know that she she struggled to figure out how important it was because in certain ways, in her words, she was kind of clueless. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Oh, I you mean, know, a lot of fag hags, if I may use well, the term. I think, yeah. <laughs> I think she wanted to be with him so bad. Yeah. So it was more like the heartbreak of... And she was like, oh, no, I was, like, cool with gay people, but, like, didn't want him to be gay except, like, she was so in love with him, do you think? No. No, I don't think oh. so. I, I, I really think she wanted him to be whatever he wanted to be. I think what she struggled with was trying to understand it because she felt so basically out to lunch. Mm-hmm. So you don't think it was that she wanted him to want her sexually? Not any more than he did, I think. I think she wanted a friend. I read the same book you did. But... No, I know. <laughs> no, and this is why we're here discussing. We all, I guess, come away with different right. thoughts because the way she talks about them, she it doesn't seem like, I guess, to talk about their sexual relationship. Well, she doesn't describe their sex at all. There's no real, like... It's much more like, oh, you know, we were drawing on the floor of our apartment. We were cuddly. We were crying. He was always doing drugs while she was awake. Then she was sobbing while he was awake. And it was kind of like... Sobbing was her LSD. <laughs> well, I mean, and the other thing that shocked me when I reread this book, because I read it many years ago, was that I didn't remember that she had had a child that she gave up right. before she met him. So that was a horrible, horrible experience for it, her. It sounded so, I mean, she's, and she's in Massachusetts. Like, no, she's in South Jersey. Oh, okay. South Jersey. She was at home. She was living at home. And they sent her to like a wayward House for bad girls. It was, yeah, she was like she was in the neighborhood. And the neighbors started noticing, and they were like, "Well, you know, the neighbors were like starting to talk shit about her and, and putting bringing shame to her family, who had been quite accepting." Yeah, she had also found someone who was willing to adopt the baby, a couple, an artist couple in the area in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know that was going to happen, but then you know she had to go away from her home once she started to really show, and so and then they, her parents actually took her to the 
to the hospital to deliver the baby, the nurses were horrible oh, to that her. Part was so sad. Yeah. Horrible to her, calling her names, leaving her. She was in pain, you know, leaving her on the table. Doctor was furious when he came in, you know, at the nurses, not at her. Right. Because it was a, it was like a something, some term. Like, it, it well, could, she had to, she had to have a cesarean section. Yeah, um, and all the nurses knew she was like out of. Or they weren't even awesome. paying attention. Yeah, cool. They were just so pissed that she was a whore, and they were just yeah. like, "Oh, you dumb slut! Like, we're not even gonna like really yeah. look into what your medical condition is." Right. Exactly. Leave on the table. So how that relates to her beginning sexual relationship with Mablethorpe is that she was embarrassed and worried about the scars that she had mm. from the cesarean oh, okay, section. Yeah. Right. The body keeps the score. Mm. I I mean this was so this was this was the sixties when she was the the pregnancy. She was nineteen or yeah, eighteen. Yeah. But it, as she says in the book Pregnancy was synonymous with marriage. There right. wasn't, right. you know, there was no abortion. There wasn't birth control. There wasn't My, that she had available to her. I can't imagine. Yeah. I can't okay. imagine. So and then it's like, and then you just move on. You're talking about it, but it's like that, that was just happening all over the place, all over the place, everywhere. Left and so right. that so that her sadness and her crying and so forth when she was with Mablethorpe. I mean, they went back and forth. It sounds like in terms of one was up, one was down, and so that they were kind of there for each other. But a lot of the sadness had to do with having to give up this baby. And then I feel like also her relationship with Mablethorpe it was much more of a right, companionship, yeah, yeah, and them being more like kindred spirits rather than like I think yeah they did sleep together at some points, but that wasn't like the main part. Right. I, agree. I think she just wanted him to want her as like her number one soulmate yeah and more of the sadness that i feel like they have this best friendship and then when he and then he of course has so many issues and is so repressed where he like start he does date that guy and then he's like oh and then they date for a while and then he breaks up and he's like oh no that was that was a fluke i'm let's get back together so she uh she has this baby in jersey and she moves to new york and to to make it and do something. She wants to be an artist. She's read all these like these art books. She's been pouring She's over pouring big over books constantly. Diego Rivera, Frida Kahlo, Picasso. <laughs> she loves the Picasso uh, at the where is she at the Chicago, or the Philadelphia Art Museum? Yes. There's like a Picasso room yeah. and she's that she's taken with and her father is like, Oh, this is you know, this is poppycock, this is claptrap. <laughs> this isn't real art. She said this is real art. And she has that, you know, that first that first rebellion against the parent where you're like, right. I like the thing that they don't like, yeah. therefore it's yeah. cool. Um And she's did, like, I gotta go to New York City and I feel like she's like Now let me ask something. Did you guys ever have this? Did she ever come home and Lily was just like, I love this awesome new band, the the misfits, the dropkick <laughs> Murphys, and you were like, What? You turn that cassette tape off. <laughs> How about the sexual violence and the rapping that she got so interested in? <laughs> So to kind of to quote, um, I, the only time I ever remember you just turning it off was, um, and I think I was in fourth grade and you were driving me to my fourth grade class, my small private <laughs> elementary school. And LL, there was a song called Doing It Well by LL Cool J. And that came on and it's just all sex sounds. And I think you slammed that removable radio that you had in the Volvo. And you were like... Oh please! I think you. It finally it was, it was enough. But also, but you also, you know, were still buying me those rap CDs with the parental advisory on them. So, 
And we went them. to that club. <laughs> place, someplace near Fenway. Mama Ken's, the club owned oh, by... Oh, um, you mean, oh, to go see that, um, I think you when we went to that? go see the Bloodhound Gang? Who with knows? Lynn, okay, but you t- I think to this concert that there was the Doing It Like Animals song. <laughs> you, you took Lily to a Bloodhound Gang concert. She took me. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> dragged kicking and screaming. And that was really comedy, the beginning of kind of comedy rap rock. But this is also what made you become an artist. Yes. Because you were like, you know what? Some shit is just too fucking cool for my parents. <laughs> so I'm going to blast this rap, you know? Sure, I listened to Credence with you, but, you know, I also had my own taste in music. <laughs> and that was important. Now, so when you first read this book, Mom, what was that initial reaction of her time in New York? Well, Where, yeah, did that's you... what I want, because she goes to New York, and she her first stop is she's like, I had some friends at Pratt, so yeah. let me just go be near Pratt, which is, you know, everyone's sort of first inclination when you get to the city. Same. Where's Pratt? Right. I, mean, you, you, I did my Pratt summer program, was, so I was at 16. Thing. And she goes, and she lives, like, in kind of, like, Bed-Stuy. Yeah, and she's, like, truly Clinton no one was living in yeah, Bed-Stuy. Yeah, greater, like, Myrtle Willoughby vibes. Right, right. And she had... No money. Yeah. Not a cent to her name. She was sleeping on stoops in the park. And neither did Mablethorpe. I mean, so that when they do finally meet, for pages and pages of this book, they are sharing (laughs) a one-day-old grilled cheese sandwich. The beginning of the book is just description of description of her being like, and then at 1 a.m. we went to Bickford's. It was on 43rd and 3rd, and we'd share one black coffee and one old donut. And then the next day she's like, well, I we were I was working at um, Brentano's. Which is a chain, and there was one in the Copley Mall for our whole childhood. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that's bookstore. And and she's like she's like and she was so pissed that she didn't get paid her first week of work and then like her coworker would leave her soup in a Tupperware container she was just like every page she's like I was hungry again yeah no these thin gals in this book they were okay. pretty but hungry here's my question Ross okay what? so half this book is her describing sidewalks and hallways as just being full of pushers and drugs and artists like this is a this is her one of her many descriptions of Washington Square Park. Entering the parameters of the White Arch, one was greeted by sounds of bongos and acoustic guitars, protest singers, political arguments, activists leafletting, older chess players challenged by the young. This open atmosphere was something I had not experienced. Simple freedom that wasn't oppressive to anyone. Is that how you would describe New York at that time in your experience? No, I I found it. <laughs> I found it much more difficult. I mean, I was ecstatic to be here, but I found it that it was really difficult. You weren't just like walking through and seeing all the like buskers artists and, and artists and being like, "Wow, what a cool, awesome space where anything goes." No, I was living in an apartment on East Ninety Fourth Street that had more cockroaches than there were <laughs> in the, there were apartment buildings in the neighborhood. <laughs> Okay, which is also very classic, you know, first apartment in New York City. And you were grossed out by that, I I was, I was. (laughs) Because she's very, like, she's always kind of being like, it was squalor. Uh, She doesn't seem that grossed out. She's like, there was lice all over the bed, but I'd seen lice in Europe, so I was okay with that. I'm kind of like, girl, that's nasty. (laughs) It was. And she'd be like, oh, and so Robert was covered in lice, and then there was lice everywhere in the bed, and then he also had crabs. When they they first move into that that 
place like near Pratt and she's like it's like covered in blood yeah she was like there was blood (laughs) smeared all over the walls yeah and you're like huh yeah. Right. So, how did you try to get rid of your cockroaches? Or oh yes, did I you... did. I did. I did. I called the city of New York to okay. complain. <laughs> but I learned that you had to exterminate the entire apartment building in order to get rid of them because they just moved to somebody that else's. Still sounds yeah. to be the case, right? So it was very, very disgusting. Um, but I assume you had to, and you just had to move eventually. Eventually, I had to move. Now, when you, I came into the apartment and turned on the lights, they would all run away. Of course. Yeah. So you were more of an uptown girl. Oh, I was quite an uptown girl for a while, and then I was an East Village girl for a while. I guess Lower East. I was on Fifth Street between B and C. Okay, okay. so that's the now, heart of it. She yeah. describes anything east of A as a war zone. How do you feel like your 70s time in East Village compared to Patti Smith's uh, 70s time with Well, with I certainly didn't know all of these famous artists. <laughs> and my greatest regret in life is that I did not live in the Chelsea Hotel. Same. Well, you know, there's yeah, still time. There's still, we could get you <laughs> over there. I feel like I really related, as you're saying, is when she's talking about, you know, they go to the Chelsea Hotel and her and Robert there, but she's like, oh, everyone is there. You know, Andy Warhol, his high court and, you know, Jimi Hendrix and all these people. And she's like, I was so intimidated and I felt like everyone was drinking. I'm like, I wasn't. And like. Yeah, she's not a big boozer. No. No, that was very interesting. I thought about the two of them. Neither one of them drank. And she didn't do drugs where he did lots. Yeah. Yeah, he did lots. Well, and then she finally does do LSD with him once. Right. And then once, I think she, like, accidentally does it. Right. And freaks out. Well, she's quite in control, you know? Yeah, she's, she is. She's has quite an academic energy to her. Her only vice, really, is drinking endless cups. Endless cups coffee. Of coffee. And, and, coffee. And books. Yes. She loves books. And poetry. Rambo. Yes. Rambo is her, her... She's obsessed with Rambo. But see, the, then this comes back to the sort of classic fag hag thing, because she loves Rambo. And Rambo, also, she talks about how, like, well, it's it, he was kind of it kind of explained to her. She kind of like realizes that she didn't get homosexuality, yeah, because she was like using Rambo as his model, and <laughs> Rambo was like weirdly closeted and like didn't understand his own sexuality, right? And like Rambo died wanting a a wife, well, right, right, and kind of like also was kind of in denial about his love with Verlaine. I think so. Yeah, I think so. And she kind of starts to piece that together. She's like, wait a minute here, right, right. <laughs> And then, yeah, she These guys knows. Are gay. Yeah, and she's like, she kind of wouldn't realize. She's like, she knows that Robert would be. She's like, he kept. Well, this kind of reminded me of you. She was like, he would get quiet sometimes and just start pacing maniacally throughout <laughs> the the apartment. And I was like, what's up with you? And she was like, oh, it's because he's not like sculpting right now. And it's like, no, because he was just like, it's called gay he, panic. It's called gay panic, and he's just gay, and he's not. Um, sleeping with any men and he's just pacing through their apartment and she noticed when she he started dating I think his first boyfriend that she was like oh he stopped kind of quietly pacing around now did you know anyone who was going to the Chelsea Hotel or was that just kind of a totally different yeah, that, different was, that was totally different. No, I think I learned about the Chelsea Hotel from Patty Smith. From this book. But I feel like I felt that of like first moving to New York and you're like, oh, all these people here like hanging out at this club are so intimidating. And then she finally, like once she starts relaxing, she was like, well, I decided to stop judging everyone. 
so much and I could have some fun. Right. Right. She does refer to herself as judgmental a lot. Now, in your psychological opinion, do you think she was doing that so that maybe she would feel like she was higher than thou, these people that weren't accepting her? I suppose there was some anxiety about it, but I, I don't know. I mean, I think her father sounds kind of judgmental to me. They had a good relationship. Yeah. So the parents, the dad was, was that in the military or... Because they moved to this, like, place for service members. Right, right. I think her dad, yeah, was in the military. The parents seem generally supportive, and they're like, okay, this is our, this is, like, you know, our smart daughter. She is freaky and artistic and spindly, and also, like, all the other siblings are sick in various ways. Everyone was, like, having... Again, a crazy, I guess that is the thing when you read a book about the past. Everyone has a cough for like two years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. <laughs> and they, but the, you know, they acknowledged that she was like, you know, the, the one with, with potential. Right. And so they just kind of let her do her thing. And also, I mean, she was king of the kids. I mean, you know, it sounds like she took them around and they played lots of games and she, they thought up things and they, because she, she contrasts her childhood to Maplethorpe's. Yeah. Um, which is much, you know, he more seems much more and, yeah, imprisoned by yes, yeah. the Catholic mores. The Long right. Island Catholic parents. Right. That seemed, because, right, he would, she would bring him and he'd be like, oh, like, this is the first time I've been at like a holiday where it's not like silent and angry and they're just saying, when are you getting married? And then it's cute when his, her mom gives Robert some like porcelain figurine. And she or some some one of her little tchotchkes. Right, she does. Her her mother gives him one. And yeah. and oh, the like the dish that little, yeah, that's like, candy right. Dish. Yeah. That's right. And he it, couldn't believe it because he'd ogled it. Right. So lovingly, and he was also on LSD when he's he at. was. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> this faggot was high out of his gourd. I mean, the entire book. I know. I don't know if I've ever asked. Have you ever done LSD, Mom? No. No. Okay. Wow. No, no acid for you. No acid. No acid. But you've done pot, obviously. Pot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was the 60s. It was the 60s. And my response to the pot was that I would get very silly, very hungry, and very sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> About a few of the dwarves, silly, silly hungry, hungry, and, and sleepy. sleepy. <laughs> now, the pot back then, I mean, people always say it was pretty mild. Probably was, yeah. but nonetheless. Yeah. Have you ever compared it to the modern stuff? No, the only time I've done anything modern was more like when you were in college or sometime. We had some modern pot. (laughs) You were probably there, but it's all I remember was that I got hungry again. I went went out to the kitchen and came back and then everybody made fun of me. Oh, this was the... Because I had such yeah. a grown-up snack. I had a little I, piece of fruit, a little cheese. I think, Mom, wow. um, this story in, in our friend group <laughs> is known a little differently. Oh, how is it? Yeah. What? <laughs> what? You're describing <laughs> it in a totally different way. Why? Well, Maybe you saw it as an elegant grown-up snack, but you made a mango quesadilla. You made a fruit quesadilla. But <laughs> I see. Oh, okay. Which, yeah, fusion. I mean, plant-based, I guess. And yeah. you, had, you know, kind of a, a glass of chilled Sauvignon Blanc. Yeah. And, yeah, but I think it was like, uh, you know, tortilla, shredded cheese, cheese. Because when we talk about the infamous fruit quesadilla, you know, we all think it. of it as like not necessarily like something little, you might see on a menu. <laughs> not really the height of elegance. A little, little sloppy. Watch now, chefs, if you're listening. Every menu in New York City will be featuring this fruit quesadilla. Okay. Everyone make the fruit quesadilla report back. Report back fruit quesadilla recipes. Celebrity. 
This episode is sponsored by ZocDoc. You're trying to find a cause for your symptoms. Achy back, headache, runny nose, itchy eye, wart on my genitals. So let me guess, you stumbled down a TikTok rabbit hole full of questionable advice from so-called experts. Suddenly I have cancer? Uh, no thank you. <laughs> there are better ways to get the answers you want and the care you deserve from trusted professionals and not random people on the internet. Though randoms, I love you, and my TikTok addiction, yeah, it stands. But I'm sorry, Lily, you shouldn't be getting medical advice from some girl in her grandmother's basement in Toronto. ZocDoc helps you find expert doctors and medical professionals that specialize in the care you need and deliver the type of experience you want. That's right. Ditch the talk, get the doc. ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, are available when you need them, and treat almost every condition under the sun. No more doctor roulette or scouring the internet for questionable reviews. With ZocDoc, you have a trusted guide to connect you to your favorite doctor you haven't met yet. Mm, I love a trusted guide, like the time I climbed to Machu Picchu on the Inca Trail with a team of Sherpas. Millions of people use ZocDoc's free app to find and book a doctor in their neighborhood who is patient-reviewed and fits their needs and schedule just right. So find your Sherpa at ZocDoc.com. Go to ZocDoc.com slash book club and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. Slay. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash book club. ZocDoc.com slash book club. Ditch the talk. She finally, like, starts dating. I forget which four boyfriends, but I think she really realizes, you know, Robert is gay and she's like, I'm gonna... Is it when she gets married? And he says to her, what am I gonna tell my parents? And that part was so sad. Yes. Well, yeah, so she dated somebody whose name I don't remember, and then she dated Sam Shepard, not realizing that Sam Shepard was the Sam Shepard. Right, Shepherd. that was wild. And I guess that kind of... that does feel very, you know, downtown New York of like, so she starts dating Sam Shepard, famous playwright, and but he calls himself Slim. Yeah. And everyone's like, you know, that's the famous playwright, like Sam Shepard. He's won like nine Tonys. And like, that's why he's ordering you like a lobster. The food was kind of wild. Like it was either they were having donuts and black coffee or they were like next to the Chelsea Hotel having ceviche and like lobsters. High low. Yeah. Another thing of this book that made me realize how unoriginal I am is that <laughs> talking about, like, I feel like her, like, alternative, her and Robert's interests of, like, old bookstores and postcards and going to Coney Island and seeing, like, freaky things and old movies, like, you know, and seeing kind of, you know, oddities and such. I feel like that is every generation of, like, alternative I mean, this, teen it's goes the blueprint through that. for yeah. indie, and I'm sure in... 1640, like right. the indie kids in the village were just being right. just like, there's this really cool crypt. Do you want to yeah. go? Like, <laughs> that, like, it's all the same shit. Well, first of all, all the interiors are always just like Indian fabrics and beads and Buddhas. Yeah. Not so many Buddhas. Well, how about she, when she worked at the bookstore, the the most important thing in their relationship was this like Persian oh, necklace. Persian <laughs> necklace. 
It's like there's a, a lot of like you know thing like. Well, I would say I, I feel mean like they invented prayer flags. Like your it, generation, mother is very well, there oriental was, rugs. And, there was a lot of oriental rugs. Yeah, I mean you know it was just that was those were the people who made good rugs that lasted and they had interesting patterns. There's um there's one scene here I just wanted to read. She's describing her disgusting apartment. Um. My treasured objects were mingled with the laundry. My work area was a jumble of manuscript pages, musty classics, broken toys, and talismans. <laughs> I'm just like, so it's a mess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you're just living in a mess. But she's just being like, the talismans. <laughs> it's like, I'm just imagining, like, a gross, like, Bushwick gay in his tiled basement apartment that gets, like, a sliver of sunlight at 3 p.m. Just describing the, like, empty pop- poppers bottle on the floor as a talisman. <laughs> it's like, we could, and, like, she's so romanticizing just, like, their grossiest village life for so no, many years. No, I know, but and I'm it's like, like, we know, could do that normal ass now about energy. our first bed bug filled apartment. <laughs> yeah. We could have been like, you walked in, there was... Old books, yeah. <laughs> fabrics, vintage clothes. A couch we got off Craigslist for $150. It was all the money we had in our pocket at a, the time. A big box TV that only had <laughs> one plug. And it's like <laughs> bed bugs everywhere. An old VHS <laughs> yeah, just... player that you had to bang in the side to get it to work. Just well, this other like, moment that I really related with when she's like, I think it's again, Sam Shepard comes to her house and she's like, huh, my, had a bed on the floor and old Hank Williams records and, you know, and my dusty guitar. But I guess, yeah, I always think of like our, being Stevens generation as being like the first ones to be like obsessed with nostalgia. But I guess, were you into things of the past as a child? I was into riding horses. I don't really <laughs> Which you just, yeah, gifted me uh, one of your old horse show. Um, is it a plate? It's a, it's a, it's a tray. A I tray. <laughs> totally tarnished, but... Vintage horse trays. Were you good? Yes. Oh, I mean, she was a star. Like... These boxes of ribbons. Ribbons and ribbons and trophies. Because your other daughter, Gia, famously uh, is a horse... Yes. ...horsist as well. She's a horsist. Yes, I rode in Madison Square Garden. Wow. <laughs> On display. I can't believe like, you've performed in Madison Square Garden. You were doing like dressage. No, I wish. I mean, it was <laughs> no. It was called. It was called equitation. Equitation. Because for most horse shows, the competition is of the horse, so that the horse is being we're trying judged. Right. right. Whereas mm. in these equitation classes for the younger riders, um, they're judging the rider. I see. So you were being judged as a writer. Right. Okay. And how do you remember your score? Yes, I got a sixth place. Oh, wow. That's pretty good. That's pretty it was good. pretty good. It was pretty good. Because the problem was, though, that my horse, I think, had been abused in some way before oh. I owned her. So mm-hmm. that when, when you mm-hmm. ride around in a ring, you ride around and then you turn. It's called, father. Right. And then you reverse. <laughs> and I think they used to smack her. Wow. When, oh. when on the reverse thing, so that that's what you do in equitation. You ride around the ring and then you reverse and do the stuff the same way, the other way around, except she got very, very jittery. And I couldn't sort of behavior therapize her out of that because she never did it at home. Oh, only interesting. At it was the only, garden. it was like the uh, that space was like triggering for her. That's right. And it was causing her to relive that trauma I every so. time because That's of right. all of the right. visual and sonic triggers around. And That's you didn't right. have the time to do 
the cognitive behavioral <laughs> therapy with the horse in that space. That's right. You know, you were right. just a young rider. That's right. In Delhi, New York. Wow. <laughs> I and mean, was that crazy to go from Delhi and then come to Madison Square Garden? And... It was. Now, Mom, please tell, would you mind listing the pets, the animals that you had growing up? This is a little far afield from just kids. This is. Maybe we'll save that for the VIP lounge. Yes. Oh, we'll save that for the VIP lounge, lounge where Roz will be sticking around and things will get really personal. Right. Oh, the VIP lounge that now comes out on Fridays. Fridays. Okay, we'll get into your pets. Another time. And for the for the, the paywall episode. Back to just kids. What You know, what I find quite endearing about this book, and I think, you know, I think admirable is the honesty, you know, how much she is basically admitting how much she had this idea of an artist lifestyle that she wanted to be adjacent to, Mm -hmm. that she is pursuing. And she thinks of artists as XYZ. She thinks of artists as doing drugs and hanging out and being glamorous and fun. And even as, you know, she goes through career and she's continuing to write and make art and she's hanging out with Maplethorpe and he's becoming gay and taking sexy photos of his (laughs) dick and his cock (laughs) and other men's cocks. (laughs) She's like, you know, she's still like, uh, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Everyone is like trying to be so cool and hang out with Andy Warhol. I'm not really sure the vibe. Like, she's just admitting that there is very much like a a scene and an image that people are trying to portray that she's also kind of trying to portray and not sure if she's doing it right. No, right. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of artists would not admit that that is a huge motivator for well, them. and also between the two of them because he really liked Warhol. Yeah, and and she did not. She said, "I didn't like the soup, and I didn't like the yeah. can." <laughs> I, well, I love that. And she was she was like, "I think art should should change should transform society, not mirror it." Yeah, right. which you know was such a dig at Andy. But I think right, she resented even because she wanted to be such a part of it when they would go to Chelsea Hotel in Max's Kansas City, and she'd be like, "And there be Andy Warhol and his high court." Yeah, I mean, but and and then the part where she's like, because they went through this period of always hanging out at this place that seems like it was kind of where Union Square Cafe is, was like 18th and Park kind of, and like that was the hot spot for all the artists to hang out. And Max's she, and Kansas City. Max's Kansas City. Yeah, right, Just, right. That was a famous rock club, rock history stuff. It was a rock it sounded like a restaurant. The well, way but then it, it turned into a rock club and some. she was like, oh, and then some guy was like, do you want to go see the Velvet Underground play? And she was like, Max's Kansas City had just started having shows. Oh. And she was like, I hadn't heard the Velvet Underground yet. <laughs> and then she went in and she was like, they just had this surf beat <laughs> and this, which I find that sort of thing that's like she really was not planning on becoming a musician at all. She was like, I'm an artist. I'm a poet. Yeah. And then the way she got famous was the music. Was the music. Right. Even though she's not such a singer as much. She's more of like a poet. Yeah. Talker, right. Right. But yeah. But well, you know, Dylan was her idol. Right. And Dylan famously is not like such a vocalist. <laughs> right. Right. But I love the part where she was like, Maplethorpe was like obsessed with going to Max's to like maybe run into Andy Warhol, even though Andy wasn't even really going there anymore. Yeah. Because he had just like already been shot. And and she was like, and then a lot of days, like, there would be, like, hours spent deciding what we were going to wear to Max's. And I was like, wow, relating to this. This is their first time of when, you know, him being so obsessed with Andy Warhol, them going to Max's Kansas City. 
It was casual and sparse, adorned with large, abstract pieces of art given to Mickey by artists who ran up supernatural bar tabs. I love that line, supernatural bar tabs. Everything save the white walls was red. Booths, tablecloths, napkins, even their signature chickpeas were served in little red bowls. The big draw was surf and turf, steak and lobster. The back room, bathed in red light, was Robert's objective, and the definitive target was the legendary round table that still harbored the rose-colored order of the absent Silver King. (laughs) The absent (laughs) Silver King. Silver King. And then she's like, oh, Andy Warhol stopped, you know, coming around much after he was shot. Shot, yeah. Yeah. So were you blasting, were you rocking out to to Patti Smith's CDs at the house while Lily is coming home and doing her fractions? I don't <laughs> I actually no, I think it was even later. I don't remember. I think like more when I went to college I think and so, you yeah. went back and okay. were like it was more of like post divorce. Right. Like, sort of birds are out of the nest. The birds are out of the nest. Yeah. And also, you know, my continuing rebellion against the Catholic Church. Yeah. And so <laughs> she, she her famous line in in one of her albums is Jesus died for somebody's sins, but not mine. <laughs> <laughs> Segment cigarettes. <laughs> what does she eat? What does she wear? How, How does, does she, she live? live? Okay, what does she eat? So let's do obviously in when this book takes place, she eats stale donuts and, and coffee and coffee and grilled cheese. Gr- yeah, a lot of grilled. She has her famous lettuce soup, just oh, a chicken bouillon cube, oh, yeah. water. And lettuce. We should make that tonight. Well, and then this, she Sounds does an extremely Allison Roman tin fish thing where she's like, I got like country bread and she does like anchovies and olive oil. I could see that lettuce soup being though like such a TikTok recipe now where it's like you get, it's like you get some really good bouillon that's like this cool bouillon that everyone's getting off of Amazon and then really good water. Yeah, and, and like then, really good like thick leaves of lettuce. Yeah, and then it's just like some like um, amazing like what's that kind of classic butter lettuce butter Boston. cabbage like something kind of yeah just like a big buttery cabbage lettuce. No, but she also goes she also goes to the automatch, goes to Horn and Hardot, and gets a lettuce and tomato sandwich. Except she doesn't have quite enough money, and a person she doesn't know behind her gives her a dime, and it's Allen Ginsberg. Oh, right. <laughs> that asshole. I, I'm not a fan of his. You're not? Yeah. What, did he speak to you at that time? Yes, he did. Okay. I mean, I wasn't there, so I can't say. Now, what do we think Patty Smith, though, eats currently? I see her making like a big tagine, chicken tagine. <clears throat> I don't think she eats that much, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I think she still kind of has a small, she's a small stomach. She's a bird-like eater. Right. I think so. And all that coffee. Yeah. All but that you, coffee. You're jittery. It yeah. It just makes you jittery. I think maybe maybe she has like a half a corn cob for lunch. Oh, well, that was insane. She was when they go to their favorite place, Coney Island, and are like being like alternative. She's like, we'd share the hot dog, of course. And <laughs> and Robert would eat the hot dog. And she's like, and I would eat the sauerkraut, which seems like a very like thin person. It's just condiments. To, yeah. She's yeah. like, oh, I'll have the pickled cabbage yum 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 she's like i loved it yeah i bet today she's having like us um some pickles 
<laughs> With just a little mustard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and sort of calling it a day. Almost like a Swedish diet. And yet she almost seems enamored she with her. Being with the sense of hunger. She talks about it quite a lot. You well, because she was. <laughs> <laughs> um, what does she wear? I mean, the there's classic. a lot of there's scarves. I want There was a lot of like back. I mean, there was like a very like old just classic St. Mark's boho leather jacket scarves energy there's like some time she goes to like Paris and she writes Robert a letter that's just like I'm being such a gypsy I'm adorned (laughs) in scarves I'm head to toe flowy Wait, that also amazing part happened to her, speaking of poetry, in France, when that, like, crypt keeper yells at her in French, you Americans have no respect for poetry. And th- and then she, like, walks away with her, like, jangly suitcase, and she's like, I'm sorry, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing she wears is she has a black Easter dress. A mm. lot of black. Oh, and is that what, that's what she wears at his funeral. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot. Okay, she's always describing Maplethorpe's haraches. Oh, yes. Yeah, she's like, and then he put on his haraches. He and threw I on, on a pair of dungarees and haraches. I've always wanted to wear haraches. And when I I've... don't want you to wear haraches. <laughs> <laughs> Mom, what do you think? Can I pull them off? Because when I put them on, they do look like weird little flats. They, they don't look like I'm a cool Cuban man. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't even. I don't think anyone really looks great in a. You know, I'm not a big fan of men without socks. And oh, really? I think if you're gonna not wear socks, really? then you, but it also needs to be open toe. Like, as I think closed toe with no sock and a harache is maybe somewhat open because it's there. It's, it's, it's netted it's, kind it's, of. Yeah, it's woven leather. I t- typically friend of the pod Teo pulls off listener, and I feel like a harache very well. And that's why I was like, oh, I wish I could do that. But I think that's more specific to him. Yes, I love the idea of casual summer, the the resort wear that the the woven leather implies. Yeah. But I just don't, I don't like what it does to an ankle. It like, because basically what, what is happening here is then it's like, now all of a sudden I'm like seeing your nakedness. And I'm like, well, I want to see the nakedness finished. You know what I mean? I want to see the toes. But then when the toes are stopped. I never want to see the toes. But all I'm thinking then is about the sweat. The sweat that's pooling in the shoe. I feel like you actually have a toe fetish. Like, I feel like, is this like your thing? If you think a guy has a big toe, he has a big dick. Well, I'm sure that's true. Eh? <laughs> I mean, an elephant has a bigger toe than a cat, and who has the bigger dick? <laughs> okay, so no haraches for me. Uh, <laughs> He's this not in summer. my presence. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to keep me, maybe horned. when I go to France on my own to visit poets' graves, without the pressure of my panicked gay <laughs> companion around me. <laughs> you can harache it up at Père Lachaise. <laughs> Walk all over Jim Morrison's grave in your haraches. <laughs> okay, um, how does she live? Okay, I do feel like, so like, it is, they're being very prayer flags and like, dirty yes. apartment. Bed on floor, I, old records. I feel like she's probably still, I, again, I'm going to say, I think there's a Buddha in there. Probably, but she also redid A House in the Rockaways. Oh. This is from another book. Okay. Okay, so. She does, there's a Reno in one of her other books? 
Yeah. How does she redo it? Like a beachside? Um... It's it's yeah. It's like a little beach thing that she. I mean, I don't think she she doesn't do it all herself. Yeah. But... I mean, she hires people too. Yeah. But I mean, this is not like a five hundred thousand dollar condo. I mean, I think it's it's a small. Small little house. beach house. Yeah. And she's probably keeping it like maybe appropriate to the architecture. It's coastal. Right. It's simple. Right. Maybe yeah. a hammock in there. And some and plants. So yeah, so she she does live there, but then she has an apartment. In Manhattan. in Manhattan. In Manhattan. So, uh, yeah, I'm right. that She has, like, probably a pretty kind of raw but now much nicer loft with, like, a big sectional that's low and made of linen. And there's, like, oriental rugs and Maplethorpe photos and maybe an old steel desk. I'm not so oh. sure about that because when I read about it, it was, it was a lot more like a cot and an old desk. Yeah. Don't you think she's a little bit more like your client? Lily, oh, who is a sort of yeah, famous, famous yeah. poetrix of this era. Yeah, I think you're right. And it's quite bare bones. Yeah. Okay, yeah. keep it she, the original. I mean, that's... I do love that she like got a house in Rockaway. Like she is just being like that New York City gal through and through. Like she's not getting some beach house, you know, yeah. in Malibu. She doesn't lust after you know luxury in this book. No, and I mean, in in her life, the luxury that she likes is travel. Yes, experiences. Mm. Same, and you know, Maplethorpe. Curiously enough, <laughs> for a gay man. He was not such a travel bug. No. And no. she's like, that was not his thing. He wanted to be New York based and like go out and party and be part of the scene and do all of his Times Square 42nd Street sailor adjacent sexual, um, you know, degeneracy. But she was just like, right, I'm ready to take Spain, the train from Morocco, San Francisco, Canada, you know, all the places. And he was still, I think he was a little afraid to travel. I feel like he had finally been like, well, I'm now finally cool here. Right. Let me stay in New York where... Oh my God, is that my fear? Is that why I can't leave New York? Well, is that why you're going to Panama? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm going to Panama, yes, because of gay panic. But yes. I'm like, <laughs> am I... Because I'm always like, oh, I hate it in New York. I've lived here too long. But it's like, I'm like, God, I, you know, it's like... You finally made I've it. I've made it in New you York. You sit with your high court at with, Clandestino. I sit with my high court at Clandestino. And I'm like, oh my God. God, like I have friends here, you know, I have I have a career here. I can't I can't if I walk away, no one will know me. Well, also he got sick. Just as he got successful, he got True. sick. True. So he wasn't gonna he couldn't he really travel. He was only travel. 41. I mean, you know, he wasn't 80. Yeah. So he may have decided he to might start have, traveling. Yeah. 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 Well, I'll be 41 soon, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'll Time move. Passed. Okay, um who are you in the book? Mom, I think you're Patty Smith. I wish I was Patty Smith. <laughs> what do you wish? I mean, I think you're amazing as is. What what do you wish? Do you wish you were more of a poet? What are the yes, parts of yes, her? Yes, yes, I I do wish it. I wish I I wish I had her bravery. Mm. Well, I think you're very brave. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> you're very brave, Ross. I mean, yeah. you I mean, you know, you. we'll talk about moving somewhere. I mean, you moved from Boston to yes, upstate New York. Right. You well, moved somewhere where you had been quite ensconced. Yes, that's true. And no, had that's known for true. so long and were very comfortable and, and moved to a completely new place no, that, where you barely knew anyone. That's true. I didn't know myself. That's quite brave. Well, thank you. Yeah, but it, it, her, yeah, I mean, 
I mean, I think maybe I'm thinking of myself at her age when she was mm-hmm. that young and exploring New York and in the way that she does. And sleeping on stoops and whatnot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I mean, I certainly see, you know, there's obvious parallels where you're Patty Smith and I'm Maplethorpe. Where... <laughs> yeah, no, there's, I mean, I was definitely seeing, yeah, that between us. Um <laughs> And you're just like, not this faggot. Yeah, and I'm just like, not this faggot again. Like, sketching for three days straight and then just not talking and being silent and being like, wait, we have to go to Max's Kansas City. And I'm just like, I don't know. I don't really, like, know Andy Warhol that way. And you're like, you're going? We're getting free lobster? It's (laughs) happening, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) But also... um. Maple, I also kind of related with Maplethorpe. We're both also a little bit Maplethorpe's more fabulous older benefactor who's always quoting Peggy Guggenheim. Oh, yeah. And he's like, it's like the end. They're both sick. And he's like, I want to fly to Japan because I saw an amazing tea set I want to buy. <laughs> oh, that was Sam Wagstaff. Yes. Yeah. yes. So but, was Maplethorpe famous when he died? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he he was well on his way. Yeah, which is. But I feel like he became truly famous like after. after. Yeah. Well, and he says this also, I was like, this would so happen to us, like, if I got an out, al- like, if I had an album that was charting before you, and Patty and Robert are walking, and they hear her song with Bruce Springsteen playing, and he goes to her, well, you did it. You're famous before me. <laughs> <laughs> I could absolutely see that happening. Can't wait. Can't wait. You're like, congrats, bitch. Congrats. <laughs> no, I'm really happy for yeah. you. <laughs> and you're charting single with Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> okay, wow. Right. Um, I give I give this book, I would say... Maybe, yeah, I'll give it four out of five cigarettes. I I think it's an important read. I think it is, you know, it explains so much about alternative culture and indie people in New York City. And, you know, it's a little, it can be a little repetitive at times. Um, There's not. I don't know. There's not. There's not like so much that happens. It's, there's not so much humor in this book either. I would say, um, which is fine. But then there's some that when the humor happens, it surprises you so much that I did laugh out loud once. But I did. You know, I shed a tear at the end. Yeah, and, I, and, I, and I ultimately, I do think she is quite a good writer, and I appreciate that. Um, so. Well done, Patty. Yeah, I would go along with Stephen. I would yeah. I would give it a four out of five. I mean, because in some ways, it can simply seem like a bit of name dropping. You know, yes, it's with the Warhols, uh, with this, but this. All, all these people. But on the other hand, it's like the history of that era of rock and roll. Right. So, so you got to name the names. So it's like, have to name. what would it be if you didn't name the names? Yeah. Um, no, I agree. Yeah, four out of five. And because there's so many books like this that are, I would say, more name droppy, but she's a better writer. So it's not just a list of names and drugs we did. Mm. Um and I think it's cool that it is also just of such a time and not like, let me do my whole life and really goes mm-hmm. much more. A lot of memoirs don't go so into the relationships and actual the emotions of it rather than like, we dated for three years and here was the breakup. Let's move on. So, yeah, four to five. Um, well, mom, this was this was epic. Thank, Thank you, you for inviting me. <laughs> Yeah, this yeah, was this really was, a dream. This yeah, is a, a long dream. time coming. 
I mean, we had to beg your publicist. Yeah, I am <laughs> really you glad on. you could move some things around and yeah, squeeze us in. Thank you, thank you so. Much. I know oh. you're you have uh, you're you're going on the Drew Barrymore show after this, right? Yeah, and we then, have all yeah. you're doing today's show: Drew Barrymore show, Fallon, uh-huh. you know, Conan the Circuit, Colbert, Colbert, Bear, your crush, <laughs> my crush. Cool. We'll talk about that Still? in the VIP lounge. No. Oh. no. <laughs> <laughs> We're just good friends. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ladies. Uh, oh, well. Another scintillating episode. Uh, we'll um, see you for the VIP on Friday. Yeah, stick around. Best. Best. Celebrity Book Club is presented by Prologue Projects. The show is produced by Benjamin Frisch with editorial support from Leanne Nafa. Andrew Parsons and Madeline Kaplan. Our production matter is Persia Verlin. I'm not pronouncing anybody's name right. Original theme song by Stephen Phillips Horst. Artwork by Teddy Blanks at Ships New York. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, at CBC. The pod. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Leave us a review and don't forget to tell your friends about us. And don't forget to go to Patreon.com for access to the VIP Lounge, our exclusive bonus podcast. Yes! Yes! Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.